Welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by my good friend, David Russell. Russell, how are you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Excellent. Couldn't be better. All <laughs> lies. Um, <laughs> I'm tired. Had a hard week. Um, long, it, long week. is. And look, I feel guilty complaining about work. <laughs> right, because right. I have I have Could enough be unemployed, of it too. right? Yeah, right. I've I've been there too. Yes, <laughs> more recently than you think. Oh <laughs> so. man, yeah, no, I hear you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're still entitled to have a a hard week, you know. Yeah. Even if it's work, you know, it's work. You know, it is work. It's yeah. it's work. It's great. I actually um, I. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good hard week. <laughs> I got a I got a raise this week. Um. I did not. Ask, sir. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> so, one of the uh, one of the people that uh, I've been writing for uh, lobbied um, the boss uh, and said how good of a job that I had been doing for them, and uh, lobbied them to pay me more. And so they did, <laughs> retroactively, in fact. So I got nice. a chance to uh, apply that to work go. already done. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. So this. What do you write for? I, Who do you write for? Everybody. Everybody? Nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, a ghost, I'm, I'm a ghostwriter. Uh, so I actually can't tell you. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Totally because then, then the answer All you would had be, to do was say ghost. Yeah. The answer would be nobody. I write so for nobody early, once I started. So earlier, like earlier when I said I was talking to you through a medium, I was actually right. So Yes. Okay, yes. Ghostwriter. Uh, is, it, is it the Holy Ghost? Maybe I'm a Holy Ghostwriter. Because I write religion sometimes. I mean, okay, you know. yeah, yeah, that's true. It's out there. But, How about yourself? Yeah. How's the How's the first responding business going? Oh, it's it's going very slow, which is always a good thing. But you know, they're long days, and when you're filling them with, uh, you know, schoolwork and and real work, and you know, uh, you know, it's just what it is. You know, you're just getting through it, and you know, handling the busyness as it comes, my friend. So what about school? Um, everyone uh, is a little bit interested in that. Um, well, yeah, you know, you know, I'm in I'm in school, so I mean, I'm getting all A's, so I'm happy about that. You know, all the grades are coming back good. Uh, you know, my writing's good. You know, which I was kind of scared about because, you know, you haven't wrote a long paper in a long time. <laughs> it it kind of is like you know, hey, I'm, you know, figuring out a whole new style to write when you go from like. Uh, APA or something to mm -hmm. uh, Turabian, you know, it's it's a little bit of a learning curve there, you know, not a bad one, but uh, not as much as as learning the softwares that I'm learning for my uh, other show. <laughs> mm. Mm. You know, so. uh, OB, uh, open, open Brock, are you still? Yeah, yeah, I'm playing that? with that and uh, I'm actually getting pretty good at it, you know, so I'm happy about that. Uh, and I'm also using StreamYard for the live events. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of live events, I mean, we talked about doing uh, some live events, uh, SNS Live. Um, I'm ready for you. Reason Reason Press Live. We've we've actually thought uh, talked about. It. I've been talking to Andrew about it as well. A lot of, um, you know, it's live is harder than uh, pre-record it. <laughs> there's there's a little yeah. bit more to it. Oh, so yeah. let's let's get some feedback from the audience, uh, guys. If you would like to have uh, some live shows. Uh, some some regularly scheduled live shows. Let us know. Uh, I'm I'm wondering how much of an appetite there is for uh, these live shows. I'll tell you what I won't 
uh, in a live show with Facilitated. I want a call-in show. Oh um, yeah, that that would that would definitely work with uh, Streamyard stuff like that because all you do is uh, send out the general link and then they wait in your your little quay and when you're ready to put you know place them on you just hit them. Yeah, hit I, I I want that. I want to I want a call-in show. Uh, ask ask the atheist, ask the Christian. Bring bring on kooks from all sides. No call screener. Let it fly. This is the internet, buddy. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, let me know how your software thing goes. I myself am personally uh, not looking into that anymore. I did look at um, OBS long enough to figure out. Oh yeah, that's real work. And then I uh, put it down. So that was that was my foray into it. But um, if you actually work. get any of this figured out, uh, audience, let me know. Would you guys like uh, some type of call-in show? Please say yes, uh, because I'd like some support for that. Um, I've always wanted to do a call-in show. I like live questions where you, you have no idea what's coming. Um, please, someone trip me up. Love to see it. Um, so we're talking about epistemology. Uh, this is a this is a tough one. Uh, and uh, audience, you'll notice that we've had a slightly more meandering introduction than usual because I'm not actually geared for a fight per se. I'm geared for a conversation. And I'll say something else that might be a little bit disappointing uh, to people who really, really like a red meat dog fight. I'm not sure what my opinion is. I don't have a fully fleshed out uh, systematic epistemology. Uh, I've been I've been uh, preparing for this show, this series of shows, for a couple of months now, at least. And uh, when I when I have some time to devote uh, to it, I think about it. I do a little bit of writing. Writing is one of the ways I think. Um, and I don't have anything close to a systematic epistemology. So there are uh, even some of the things that I believe are true. Uh, in, in the way one should do epistemology. I hold most of that fairly loosely. And uh, so uh, I could be wrong about some of it. And I'm looking forward for the, to the next couple of weeks to see uh, what other arguments are, because I'm still forming my own opinions. So I can be reached. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is fairly new. Um, don't just don't have that fully formed opinion. That said, I've got some pretty good ideas about what I think constitute bad epistemology. Um, and so I'll talk about some of those uh, today and uh, see what agreements and disagreements we come up with. How about you, Russell? Do you have a, a pretty set idea of epistemology or are you still kind of searching for the... Well, you know, like you said, it's not a systematic approach. Uh, there's Okay, so in the field of epistemology, you know, from all the way back to Plato, to Aristotle, to Solomon and the Christian uh, idea, all the way to even modern philosophy and, and epistemology, I, I've looked into a lot of them. However, I don't settle on one. Why? Because there are certain parts I like from each. You know, so like uh, even even atheists, honestly, I love Bertrand Russell's uh, I, and I use some of his stuff when it comes to epistemology. Like I don't have any good reason to believe I'm a vat in a, in a matrix. Right. Or a brain mm -hmm. in a vat. Right. Or 
uh, um, GE Moore, he gets a little bit more feistier and, you know, he's an atheist too. And, and he just, he just says, Hey, just criticize the people that say stuff like that. You know, when you're <laughs> dealing with philosophical skepticism, just, just, just get on him about it, you know, and he, and he kind of is more feistier than Russell is, but, uh, I like Russell. Um, I like C.S. Lewis. I think C.S. Lewis had a wonderful epistemology that you you don't see all the, all the time. Uh, you don't see it like systematically. You see it, you can glean it from his writings and it's really cool because you can also glean it from his fiction too. He puts it in there too. Um, which is what they call like a eschatological uh, epistemology, you know, mm. uh, which is pretty neat. Um, and it's pure, it's purely Christian on his end. Um, mm. I've also uh, liked, uh, I think, what is it? A Cartesian Descartes, you know, so forth. I like some of that. So, um, you know, there's several different, uh, you know, uh, epistemologies out there. Uh, Alvin Plantica, you know, obviously comes up with, with probably, you know, proper basic beliefs and, and so forth. Um, so, yeah, with that, but, uh, you know, um, I would love to get into maybe, maybe we can start off this podcast with talking a little bit about the history and a little bit about the different epistemologies that are out there. And, you know, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to come away with uh, this, this systematic role on it. So, all right. Well, let's. Why don't we start with something even more basic? Let's uh, talk about what epistemology is. This is uh, this is a seven dollar word, uh, and so uh, we should unpack it a little bit. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it gets to the level of a ten dollar word, but um, it's bigger than five. So, right. Right. Um, epistemology is. Oh, by the way, I got to interrupt myself. Uh, you mentioned the brain in the vat. So uh, it was last week, I think. Uh, Darren, uh, I don't know if it was in one of our back channel emails, but he said, we we are brain in, in vats. It's just that the vat happens to be called the skull. <laughs> so, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, right, right. right. Um, so uh, there you go, Darren. Uh, I don't know if uh, you originated uh, that, but it got a thumbs up for me. Right. Um, right. So uh, epistemology is... Uh, how we determine truth. Uh, how, do, how do we know uh, what we know? Uh, how do we know what we know is true? How do, you know, what's, what's the method that we come up with for that? And so my, my definition um, uh, of, of epistemology in my own words is uh, how we come up with, uh, well, let me back up. My definition for truth uh, is that which is a one-to-one -one ratio between uh, the proposition and reality. Um, that would be truth. Uh, so if, uh, if the sky is blue and the proposition is the sky is blue, then that's true. Uh, if in reality the sky is pink and the proposition is the sky is blue, that would not be true. Uh, epistemology then is how we come up with uh, a set of facts or uh, knowledge or information that thus bears that one-to-one -one relationship uh, with reality or as, as close as we can get to that. So this is, this is how I would begin definitionally getting into the subject of epistemology. How do you define it? Um, just simply as the ancients defined it, which is uh, 
really the word knowing, right? So you have belief plus truth equals knowing. You know, that's kind of like the origins of it. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's a very, very wide topic. You had Descartes who was arguing uh, from an idea of methodology. So he said, you know, you can acquire knowledge by methodology, which kind of like you, you kind of just, just are putting it out there and so have I. So, um, yeah, so I mean, it comes down to are some new, you, you know, some of these truths knowable and, you know, is is it Plato's version, which, you know, uh, there's that famous painting with uh, Plato and, and Aristotle walking next to each other and uh, Plato's pointing up and then you have uh, Aristotle with his with his uh, his book pointing inward. Right. So Plato obviously appealed to the gods being the ultimate basis for our knowledge and Aristotle pointing inward saying it comes from within. So, yeah, it's it's really awesome. Uh, but, you know, of course, you got the ancients that came from uh, um, the idea of, of fear of God, you know, as a beginning of wisdom. And you, you see that on the Judaic side, you know, uh, so that has to do with it. Uh, so you have this idea of and, and the Cartesian method also points to um, the Cartesian method also points to God. Right. So then you have the famous philosophers that came, the modern philosophers came that said, no, 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 no. You can acquire by method, you know, and basically uh, not have a God to come to know things. So, yeah, that's how I would def just, just definitely define it as and give it just a little rough history of it there mm -hmm. with the idea that you can it, it's knowing it's, it's coming to how do we come to know things? Not necessarily truth, you know, because if you're looking at a clock and I'm looking at a clock and it's three o'clock, right? We see it says three o'clock, but let's say it's four o'clock. You know, do we have a justified belief at that point? <laughs> you know, or let's say it is three o'clock and the clock says three, but the clock's still broken. So do we really know it's three o'clock? when we're looking at that clock. So there's a lot of stuff when it comes to epistemology that we can right. dive to. And I think we just opened a can of worms right there. So. Right. I would, I would agree that uh, with epistemology, the, the conclusion doesn't necessarily have to be true. It's less about the conclusion than the process that you came, that you used to know it and whether you used a good uh -huh. process or not, because you can, you can use very good processes and still just, get the wrong answer. You just yeah, and you just you just gave like a a small version of what Lewis describes in his epistemology, which is pretty wild because if you don't have a, a system that you're going off of, like you said, you can pick different things. And but you know, like someone like uh um who is it, Edmund Gittier or or other epistemologists would probably come back at you and say, No, 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 no. David, it's not just the journey. It's you have to actually see if you you know this. Otherwise, it's not real epistemology. You know, so it's like right. you know, you know, it's knowing. You know, so how do we? It's the study of knowing. So how do we know? You know, it's right. it's, it's very it, it goes deep. You're right. Well, and there's there's what we know or what we think we know, and then there's the truth. So you and I can 
uh, agree on a thing, like you say, we can we can know as strongly as we can um, say that we live in a closed universe. Uh, but that does not stop the universe from being open <laughs> all the same. The truth has nothing to do with our conclusion. Um, but our con uh, the way we come to conclusions does have to do with epistemology. So whereas I think ideally uh, great epistemology will lead you to the right answer, uh, I, I think that that is a, a bit too idealistic uh, because you, you'd have to come up, you'd have to say one of two things that are, I think, very unsatisfying. Uh, you'd have to say, well, no one can have perfect epistemology then because no one always comes up with the right answer. So it's it's unattainable um, if what you're saying is the only good epistemology is the one that always comes up with the right answer. It's just an unattainable thing then, and I don't know where we're talking about it, because no one has all the right answers. Uh, or you would have to say, well, someone has all the right answers, but then we can't tell who that is. We, we can't tell who has the who has attained the the perfect epistemology because we're all flawed. So I, do, I find it a little bit unsatisfying to say that the destination has to be the absolute match to reality. I think that's the goal. Uh, I think that should be the goal. Uh, I am trying, uh, when, I, when I try to figure out what's true, my goal is to match my model of the universe with the actual model of the universe. I, I will miss the mark sometimes. Uh, I, what you believe the actual model is? Well, right. yes, yeah, right. Um, what I believe, and and it's that's the best I can do, right? And we can use good epistemology and maybe come up with an answer that's close, <laughs> you know. Um, but no one has all the right answers. So either epistemology is a worthless um, pursuit because no one can attain it, or we have to be a little bit more realistic about uh, what it can do for us. Yeah. And I, I opt for the realistic. Well, part. you know, there's one thing we didn't mention, and I think it's, it, it, we have to, because I think it's part of our nature to know, to try to acquire knowledge. We're, that makes us distinct from almost everything else. Uh, the desire to know, uh, as Aristotle puts it, you know, all men by their very nature desire to know, you know, and that's that's true. And we do. And it's one of the reasons we do this broadcast, you know, so <laughs> um, how do we so come me, to that knowledge? Let me let me ask you before before we come to it. Do you believe that um, perfect knowledge of all things is attainable? No. Okay, neither do I. Uh, I think that we have some limits there. Now we might have different reasons for why we um, yeah, uh, think that, but we, I, I had a feeling we might agree on that. So then what are some of the things uh, that we can know versus some of the things that we can't know? Wow, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be okay. able to answer that off the top of my head. <laughs> I'll 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 give it a shot uh, since I put the question out there. Mm -hmm. um, I think that mathematical truths are knowable. I think that's uh, something that we can know. So um, 
mathematical axioms. One plus one is two. Uh, my level of doubt that one plus one is two is zero. I have zero doubt. Uh, I don't believe that there is any place in any universe or any possible universe where one plus one is something other than two. So if if we're using the same language here, one and then another one, we're going to end up with two conceptually. Uh, so that's what I mean by mathematical certainty. Uh, so whether you're doing simple addition or multiplication or algebra or uh, I, that's a, that's the kind of thing we can know. Uh, well, what are some of the things that we can't know? Um, all right, so something that's maybe a scientific question, I'm not sure if it is or not, but um, a question like, what was before the Big Bang? Uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of disagreement <laughs> on this example, but I personally don't think that that's a knowable thing. I, I think it's an interesting question. You can noodle it all day, but I don't think that we have the tools uh, to be able to explore that question. Now, maybe one day... Um, I would be proven wrong uh, on that. But I think that we have a, a lack of tools. And when you don't have any tools to explore a certain region, then you can't know it. It becomes unknowable. So things that are in the category of the unknowable are things where we have a lack of tools to explore. Yeah, and you also got to look at it like this, David. Um, how do you know it's unknowable? You're just not going to know, you know? So you also got to look at it like, okay, well, Let's say, uh, like, my room is all of reality, right? This room I'm in is all of reality, right? I can get to the point to where I know everything about that room. Um, so anything else that is unknowable is unknowable. I'm not going to know it if it's unknowable. You know, I'm not going to know that I don't have perfect knowledge because I don't know that there's something else out there. So there's a lot to it that that you you know we got to look into, and I I agree it's it's a complex study. If if the room is your reality, though, yeah. uh, I think that we could say that what's outside of your room is unknowable. Yeah. Well, if it, if, if well, your room doesn't have a door, here's the thing, it doesn't but have see, any windows. But here's the thing, David: is there anything else outside of my room? You don't I don't know. know. You can, but it's unknowable. You're right. It, that's that, right. I'm agreeing with you in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, you wouldn't know what is unknowable because you don't know <laughs> but you can know like for instance what's on your desk you know what what objects you know that are larger than uh you know a, a pencil tip that are on your desk you can know every one of those objects um but if you've never left your room there's no door uh, to get out of your room there's no window uh it's just a sealed uh container you can only speculate whether there even is an outside of your room um, but you but you can never know it unless something changes, uh, unless you get a new tool. And that's well, that's that's what I'm asking is like, how do you know when something is unknowable? <laughs> you know, like, well, you something know? something may be unknowable for the time. So, okay. um, you know, like, uh, for instance, medical um, discoveries, uh, there was a time when germs were unknowable. Well, why were germs unknowable? Well, it, it eluded our senses uh, that we had in our bodies. It wasn't an obvious conclusion that we could come up with with our mind. Uh, and we didn't have the tools to discover germs. And so there was a time in human history where 
the existence of germs was an unknowable thing. And it was unknowable until it wasn't. But when wasn't it? it when we developed the tools to be able to, to do better. And so the unknowability of something may not necessarily, necessarily be a permanent uh, aspect of that thing. But I think that there are things that we could say are unknowable at the, at the time. I got you. I got you. I'm okay. agreeing with you, by the way. I, everything I'm saying is is trying to boost your claim here on can we know things and stuff like that. I don't know if I I, I, I think we'd approach it at different angles a little bit. Right. But yeah, so far I'm tracking with you on on this. Uh, let me. Let there me, are let some me just, things that we okay. can flesh out when it comes to knowability and you know coming with this sense of, yeah, there's something that's making us sick and dying and so forth versus something co that it would be completely unknowable because it's just not part of our reality, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's that too. And, you know, it, it's very complex. You're right. And it's worth exploring. I think it's going to be awesome that we have a panel discussion on it. I would love to hear other people's opinion on it as well. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, add to that something that where we, where we, might begin to disagree. Uh, so an example of something that I would say is unknowable that I think you would say would <laughs> disagree with uh, would be uh, meta metaphysical things like uh, a, a spirit or a spiritual realm out outside of this physical realm. Um, I would say that we don't we don't have a way of accessing some other realm. Okay. Um, we can theorize where, about it. That's where, you know. That, yeah, that's that's where we probably start departing on on that. You know, right? But but understand understand my reasons for saying it. I'm not saying this as a as a dogmatic skeptic. Uh, as much as I'm saying we don't have the tools, uh, or at least I I am not aware of any tools that we have to be able to explore such a theoretical realm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to come to the point. Do I have? Uh, justified belief at that point is my belief justified is it properly basic you know uh i'm not going to get into those weeds right now but is my belief justified at that point does it warrant for that for that for myself i believe there is but you know you haven't gotten there yet or i'm wrong right um yeah yeah. Uh, I think I think I think that's correct. So and now debate everyone. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> so there there's this um, passage in in first Corinthians. I did not bother to look it up. Apologies. I want to say chapter two ish. Um, and uh, Paul is talking about spiritual spiritual things and uh, spiritual people. And, and he makes a statement to the effect that. Um, only only people of the spirit can understand spiritual things, and and those who are not of the spirit cannot understand spiritual things. It's it's something as as clear and straightforward as that. Um, and so this is this is begins an interesting epistemological question for me uh, that I would ask Paul, which is okay, Paul. Uh, what are some of these things that you are saying are inaccessible to a, a person without the spirit? And what is this spirit that a person is supposed to have? This is this tool 
that Paul calls a spirit allows them to to be able to see and understand this this spiritual the spiritual things and that's lacking in the unbeliever and so they can't um well that's a that's an interesting hypothesis but you can't just invent a, a realm of things the spiritual realm and then invent a tool the spirit and say i've got it and you don't so i would i would question paul as to how he comes up with that particular uh, epistemological model uh and anyone who believes paul when he says that i would question them how how do you how do you confirm that epistemological model that paul is putting out how do you justify it how do you confirm it well because once again i can well, well here's the thing is like what do you mean by confirm how do you I, I mean if he's saying he has it he believes he has it what justifies him in having that i understand that question but to confirm it are you asking for a principle of verification or well maybe because what paul says is not just that he has it but that all people of the spirit have it and the people uh who aren't of the spirit don't have it and so he's he's suggesting this this entire mechanism that at least people who think like him have that other people don't uh this this seems to be a very convenient thing well, oh you don't understand yeah, well, yeah, you're but, just not you're not of the spirit yeah. but yeah it doesn't make it not true though right because we can also look at it like okay well we're let's use our my room example again and it's just the two of us in this room now okay and you're on opposite you're on the left corner of the room, and I'm on the right corner of the room. By the way, before and, you go, do you want me to look that passage up uh, so that I can leave yeah, a reference? No, no, I know what going. you're talking about. Okay, I, I know it. what you're talking about. Right. So, yeah, so uh, you're on the left side. I'm on the right side. Uh, you have a different tool that I don't have yet. You know, one of those tools that you are. And the only way for me to understand that tool is to come on your side of the room and look at it. You know, ask for that justification or look for that justification or gain it myself. What if I can't? What if it's something that I can't see? What if it's abstract that you have and I don't? You know, how am I right. going to verify that? Right. So, you, you know, it comes to, you know, how do I how do I verify? So you, I am asking for a verification in some sort of way. But the only way I'm going to do it, the only way I'm going to know that you have that or without, you know, not just without you telling me is to come over and experience it for myself, you know, or am I going to be able to verify it some other way? So there's a lot there. So we got to, I, I would say, instead of just, you know, criticizing Paul, maybe coming out of more of your, what you say you are is, is a skeptical angle and be like, well, how do I, how would I obtain something like that? And then maybe, you know, try it, you know? Okay, Try what so, he says to do. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, we, we might want to take me out of the equation. I tried it for most of my life. So, uh, you? you know, no, just, yeah, no, yes, no. I did. I, um, I think you're, so, I think you're suppressing it, the truth and unrighteousness. Of course, uh, because this is another claim <laughs> that a, Paul makes that are complete, completely completely right now. Sure, uh, it's it's a claim that's completely unstantiatable. Uh, so you can make the claim, um, but. Are you epistemologically justified in believing it, in accepting it? 
Uh, and it seems to me that if Paul is going to make a statement like that, he ought to then provide a way to verify the statement. Now, if you say, well, it can be verified by coming over and trying it, well, I've done that. And so have millions and millions of others. You can read their stories. So you don't, I, I don't even need to be in the equation. People have, in fact, tried that and did not uh, gain access to this tool of the spirit that allows them to understand spiritual things, quote unquote. Um, so, you know, it. you can say, well, it's something that only God gives to those he thinks is worthy and, and genuine and so forth. Okay, well, great. I don't have access to that. You know, so I can't make God give it to me. Uh, so it, it becomes unfalsifiable at that point. So I'm just trying to figure out how I would justify using a, a good epistemology that this spiritual realm even exists let alone that it can do what God, uh, what Paul suggests that it can, which is to uh, divine spiritual truths uh, versus when you don't have the spirit and you can't. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how we come at that other than to say, well, I just believe Paul. C well, can I, you I give me you a better option than that? Well, no, I mean, there's, 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 okay, yeah, you can believe Paul, you can believe all the uh, the evidence of thousands of other, or millions of other Christians out there, or, uh, you know, it, it, you're looking at worldview at that point, you know? Um, I was going to say something about uh, the eternal struggle. I mean, this, it, it's, this struggle has been obviously going on far longer than us, correct? Far longer. Right, right. So you've got the Aristotelian idea. You know, and you have the platonic idea, right? Uh, and, and and the only reason I'm using these two is because they're they're kind of like the ones that, uh, you know, stand out. You know that they've been painted about and so forth, and they're very popular, very easy to look up. Okay, Aristotle said it came from within. Plato said it's external, right? You want some sort of verification of the external, you know, and that's. And that's the thing. I mean, what is your level of acceptance? What what are you going to accept as evidence? You know, it, there's there's a lot more than just knowing that that well, that is that is that is taking place here. There's, what I need I, is, I, is good epistemology. Uh, so if you're if you're saying if you're how saying would that, I accept it or not accept it? If you're saying, I would, well, I just believe it. Well, you're saying faith is an epistemology, and we can look at that. What is the tool that I would use to? Uh, to accept no, it or I, not, because it seems I'm not foolhardy just, to just say I, accept it. I'm not it. saying just accept it. What I'm saying, okay. I'm trying to give you a brief overview that, you know, these guys have been, you know, this is a question that people have been struggling with since the dawn of time. And uh, no one's answered the question well. <laughs> and and oh, I think the question has been answered well. I think there's several epistemologies that answer these questions. And and uh, I, I also think, and, and this, I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but uh, you know, epistemology is also, you're saying a good epistemology. I mean, where do you establish a good epistemology to begin with? I mean, I think it's, you, you know, we're here, uh, saying that, you know, this is good versus this is bad. We have a good epistemology and a bad epistemology. And I think it's a lot to do with the individual as well. So is this individual actually, that says he knows these things, does he have a good basis for it, right? Does he have a good basis for it? And I think that's kind of what you're trying to get at, but you're trying to, you're trying to give it 
an overarching view as well. Like there's this general good that everybody should accept. And I think that you're you're putting that bias in there. Am I am I wrong? I mean, I don't know. I don't. Am I wrong? No, that are you bias? But I I do think that if Paul makes a statement, it is either true for everyone or it's not true. Um, okay. It's it it either accurately maps on to reality or I it think, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm, I I agree with you there. But what is what is your standard? to accept that his epistemology is good or what is your standard to accept that his his verification is verification enough well, I, I would have to know right, something and then, about how, and then how do you say that his his epistemology is bad because you know maybe he is the only one that has experienced it and maybe people in the spirit are the only ones that do experience it I mean, I don't know. I, I, where do you draw that line? That's what I'm trying to get at. Where does David Johnson draw that line? Right. Um, I guess, I, I guess so, I'm not putting it out as, as good as I, as I should. No, I guess because we're winging, we're winging this. So. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, this is what a conversation looks like. It's, it's okay. Um, stick with me. You'll have more of them. Um, <laughs> I love them. I love them. This is okay. So um, let's, let's um, pick that apart. Uh, a little bit. Let's go back to something uh, that you said. He he might be the only one, um, or or that there may be a narrow group of people, only a narrow group of people who experience this. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I'm fine with a thing being experienced by only a narrow group of people. After all, only a you know the people who have been into space. You know, out of Earth's orbit. Um, that's a very small club, uh, and so we largely have to take their word uh, for the experience of that—the qualia of um, being off planet, if you will. Because most of us are never going to be off planet. Heck, a, a lot of us never leave our state <laughs> that we're born in. Uh, and uh, uh, an even larger number never leave their country. And so very few people are ever going to leave the planet. Uh, so you've got this small group of people who have left the planet, uh, and they come back and they describe an experience that's hard to describe, and it comes down to you just have to be there. Um, that's kind of – that's the best interpretation that I can give of what Paul is saying about the spirit here. So what – would be a good method for me as a person who's not been in space to verify what people who have been in space are saying. I, I, at some point, I, I just have to compare the stories. Um, and I'm not sure what else I can do at that point. I can I can try to determine if what they're saying is possible or not. So, for instance, if they come back with a story that says, you know, as soon as we left Earth orbit, uh, we we became invisible. Okay, well, you, it, a bunch of them could come back and say that. Um, can I verify that? I'm not I'm not leaving Earth orbit anytime soon, but I think I would be stumped at the possibility factor. 
I would need to know how a person becomes invisible by leaving Earth's orbit. That other, that doesn't make sense. And left to itself, if they have no further explanation than that, uh, I would be very dubious of that claim. Yeah, and I think you should be. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I, I do believe that there should be verification. Uh, I do believe in the verification principle. That's kind of why I'm bringing it up. But uh, what I was trying to get, and I'm still trying to get, is, you know, we've got to be able to come to a, a point where, you know, what defines the reality around us? You know, what is it form? Is it matter? You know, and this is why these discussions come up, because, you know, there are people that that claim the census divinitatis. There's people that claim that there's the metaphysical, you know, and that there is a supernatural. And we've had that, uh, you know, what's the base of our existence? I mean, even even so, I mean. When I was in philosophy, you know, they, they divided the map of reality, right? They've got on mm-hmm. left side, right side, right side's epistemology, left side's ontology, right? And then it just goes down from there, right? So, you know, how do we explain reality? I mean, that's where we come to. And that's kind of like what this this painting I was referring to is talks about, you know, is it come from the in or does it come from out? And, and if Paul's going to be talking about things like that, yeah, I mean, there's going to be, you know, is it true? Is he justified in what he believes because of his experiences? You know, and if he can, all he can do is explain to you those experiences. I mean, it's not like, it, uh, yeah, it, especially if you're not there or anything and you're not experiencing it too. I mean, we do, all we do is have stories to go off of in a, in a lot of ways, you know. You're cutting, so, you're cutting in and out. Oh, um, I am? I'm doing it again? Bit, yeah. Oh, That's okay. Just um, uh, here's the other thing that uh, we can do now. Justin uh, on his show, he edits this part out because this happens on his show uh, a lot. I'm not going to edit this out. We'll just uh, have a moment of silence for about 10 seconds because that also, for whatever reason, seems to clear Skype's buffer. And that will that will probably clear this up uh, temporarily. So about 10 seconds worth of silence. Okay, and uh, for those of you uh, tech-minded uh, people who say that can't possibly work, uh, I learned it from Justin, and it does <laughs> seem to work. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know why it works. I can't. The, my epistemology for that is uh, I've seen it, I have tried it, I have done it. It it tends to work. So there you go. Does uh, it, is it working now? Uh, only partially. <laughs> only partially. Oh, no. Yeah, no. So um, this may this is not one of the better um, uh, examples of it working. People, you'll just have to trust me on this. Okay, I've experienced this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone who has ever done a show with Justin Briley, who has used Skype to do it, has experienced this. I promise. <laughs> there's a um, there's a, a fraternity and sorority of people that you could contact and they, they can confirm this. <laughs> so at any rate, um, I wanted to get into that, uh, that, uh, census, uh, uh, that you mentioned earlier. Um, so, um, the, uh, it deals with the tools that we use for sensing reality. How do we know what reality is? Um, and is it metaphysical? Is it physical? Um, this is a question above my pay grade, but I will say that I 
am a strict materialist. Uh, I, I own that. Uh, that said, uh, I am a strict materialist mostly because I've never been convinced that there is anything else to consider uh, in the game. But I can say for the sake of this podcast, I don't know if material is all there is, uh, but it's all I can access. So uh, this gets into the uh, conversation about the tools that we use to uh, understand and probe our reality. So we've got uh, three S's, we've got sight, sound, smell, uh, we've got two T's, we've got taste and touch. Um, and those by themselves, I think, are still not enough. And so I add a sixth sense that I call mind. I would not be offended if someone uh, reduced that to brain, uh, but it is it is the thing that the brain does, the, the thinking um, and processing of the information, if you will. Uh, so uh, like in a computer, you can reduce it down to CPU, but what is a CPU? Well, it, it processes. It's, it's the thing that thinks, if you will. So I think that uh, when we add our five senses plus mind, we have defined the complete set of tools that humans have to explore the world. So what do you come up with when you use uh, sight, sound, uh, smell, touch, taste, mind? We come up with physical things because those are all those things can probe. Now, mind on its own can imagine other things, but it can't probe any other thing with it. Uh, so imagination is not uh, a, a tool for sensing reality for me. I know that some would say, oh, yes, it is. Um, but so using the tools that I have, all I can ever access is the material. And uh, as a strict materialist, I find that materialism uh, seems to be sufficient explanation for everything that I need explained. That said, if there is something other than material, and I do leave the uh, genuinely uh, leave the door open for the possibility that there is something other than material out there, I would simply say that we as humans have no way of accessing it because we don't have a tool for that. And this is one of the um, different challenges that Christians will give. They would say, oh, yes, we do. We have spirit. And this is this is where Paul leads us. Oh, yes, we do. We have spirit. Uh, and so we can sense spiritual things. Um, well, okay. But Paul seems to be talking about something other than the mere consciousness that I think a lot of Christians are talking about. Because Paul is saying that this spirit thing is something that believers have and that non-believers don't have. Now, I think that all Christians would acknowledge that non-believers have consciousness. We're fully conscious beings. I don't know. Um, I but Paul is imagining that there is something that Christians have and that they're able to sense that we can't. And so, once again, I, I actually think this is what the Bible is talking about when it talks about spirit. And so I don't, I don't see any evidence that that tool exists. I don't have any access to that tool. And so for me, I have to keep the conversation at the level of what I can access, which is the physical. Gotcha. I cannot hear you at all. You can't hear me at all. How about now? I still yeah. cannot hear you at all. Uh, but what I'm I going to do, this is a train wreck. Uh, if you would unplug your microphone, don't turn Skype off. 
Unplug your mic and plug it back in. I will keep filling the air with words. So uh, my challenge for the Christian, if you are going to con uh, claim that we do have, and then go in your settings and make sure that that mic is selected um, and that it's off mute and all that, okay? Um, so if we if we do have something besides the physical things that I mentioned, then my my challenge, and in fact my heartfelt request to Christians would be to please tell me how to access this thing so that I know that it is this uh, extra thing you call spirit and not just some uh, combination of things that I would call physical. Um, and uh, at this point, if necessary, I will be I will probably have to make some edits in the show if we can't get you back on yeah, because you're no, still think, silent. Can you hear me now? I know you're trying not to be silent. You're you're as silent as a mouse. I don't know if this is um, on my end, bro. One more recommendation because this worked uh, pre-show. Go ahead and log out of Skype and log back in. And I think the recording will keep going and I will keep talking. All right. Uh, 